from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Appreciate you as always being a part of the show here where sports meets life. We're hanging out inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. And what's a show without a little bit of confetti? So, you know, it's it's time for me to bring it back a little bit here in the studio and let it let it let it just uh, let it be here in the studio, and you can see the uh, my favorite balloons there, my balloons of the 100. So this is the 100th episode of the Great Year 2020. We do over 200 episodes of Wake Up Call with Dan Tatora in the morning between Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We do over 200 a year, and this is episode 100, which just seemingly happened to fall perfectly on Memorial Day. Like I said, God's timing is never wrong. So. Grateful to be here. Happy to be here. I want to thank everybody that's been watching and listening this morning. You're watching on Facebook.com backslash Live Now DT. You're listening on MixLR.com backslash uh, Wake Up Call DT. And uh, my guy D Brown just said, "Congrats, big guy. Thank you so much, D. I appreciate you so tremendously. And I know you know that. So thank you uh, for being a part of the show. And thank you for." hanging out with me uh, here where sports meets life. So a lot of great stuff coming up. Uh, very, very excited. We had Steve Adazio in hour number one. And like I told you, it's one thing to have the 100th episode. It's another thing of who I choose to have on this episode. And, you know, to me, it's an ode to the people of central and upstate New York, past, present, and future that I appreciate. This is my home. This is where I decided to build my company. So why not have a coach that recruits central New York better than anybody else and then have a player that grew up in central New York, went to school in central New York, played at JD, uh, played when, when he, even before JD was out in West Jenny playing, and then played at Syracuse, wore the orange and blue locally, which never happens anymore because Syracuse doesn't recruit central and upstate New York a lot anymore. So Rob got to you know, be a, be somebody that grew up in this community, played in this community, went to college in this community, went undefeated in this community, beat some amazing teams, beat the SEC as a member of this community, then went on to the NFL and the CFL and came back to this community to start his businesses. So there is nobody better to have on my 100th of 2020. Let's bring the man in, Mr. Drummond. How we doing? Doing pretty good. First off, I'd like to say congratulations on your hundred. It's been a long time coming, but you know what? Perseverance always pays off. You know, I, I remember just sitting sitting with you years ago in some of the shows we used to do, and you would just be so frustrated at yourself. Yeah. I'd be like, but what did I always tell you? You know what? You, 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 you come from the heart, so you'll be successful regardless. You're getting your messages out. You know, whether, whether it's to one person or a million people, that one person, you could save that life, and that's a life you've changed. That's what God wants, not to be religious or anything, but that's what he wants. He wants to be just good people, just help others as much as we can, and that's what you do, my friend. No, and I, and I appreciate that, and it's a thing, you know, it's like I look back on 17-plus years of broadcasting, and, you know, we get to celebrate the 100th every year because, you know, we do over 200 episodes a year do between, like, I don't know, I think it's like 230 episodes a year or something like that. But, I mean, to look back on this and see on MixLR that there's over 900 shows on there 
and then the dance and tour show before that that was in three different states and then MU courtside and so I looked at it and I was like, you know, when I when I did 100 and 200 and 800 and all that, I was like I never really knew because I'm always working. And so I said, you know, we're going to celebrate number 100 of 2020 because people talk about how much 2020 stinks and we're still at our 100th episode of, of this year and we're not even halfway through the year and we did 100 episodes. So it just goes to show that the 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 literal story of the show must go on. And, uh, and that's the truth of it all. And, and Rob, you know, I went back to that and I think you were listening when we did this, but I went back to, uh, to that moment when you and I met uh, almost 10 years ago and, and, and how it was kind of funny how we did the interview. And then I kind of was like, I like you, you know, I think you're a nice guy. And you're like, yeah, you too. And I'm like, we should be friends. And then we became, I mean, and it was literally that simple. It was, you know, you're a person that I feel is a good person. You saw something in me. I saw something in you. And we have, you know, you you have been the most loyal of of friends that that I can imagine. And you have done more shows with me live on site on location than anybody else I've ever worked with. You've been with me in a bind. You've been there with two hours notice, an hour notice, you know, three months notice. And I think there's been two times in almost 10 years where you couldn't make it because you had to help out a family member. I think you were doing something for your kid one time and you apo- you called me up apologizing. And I'm like, Rob, you, you've done 89 shows and you can't do one or two of them. But <laughs> I mean, your 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 loyalty has been matched by none. And and I like like I said, you never know what God's going to throw your way. But I don't even know how to say thank you for the fact that you have been. Uh, you are a huge reason why this show gets to 200 and something every year. You're a huge reason why uh, 17 plus years in, you know, I, I mean, I've been bloody, I've been bruised, and you've picked me up and you've carried me more times than, than I can count. And, and I don't know how to say thank you for that. Um, no, 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 thanks, Grand. I'm going to definitely say that, but it's just, it's just about being... Being being a good person. I mean, I, I don't I don't know how to explain that to people, you know. And that's a, that's how I base and I judge my affirmation about people when I meet them off, um, off of, you know. It's never being being someone who's called, you know. And, and everyone knows about everything I accomplished at Syracuse and, and onto the pros and things of that nature. But it's never about that. That's the athlete. I mean, try and get to understand who Robert Drummond the person is, you know. And that's me, you know, the, the one that has feelings, the one that has emotions, the ones that you know will do anything he can in the city to see young kids successful because that makes me happy. It's not about pounding my chest and applauding myself and going around and having billboards of myself so I can be seen or and be heard. It's about doing the small things, you know, because they're they're in my aspect of it is that someone's always looking up to me, so I have to set an example by doing the right thing and just being a positive role model. You know, and when, and when the first time we met, when you interviewed me, it was more about you as a person, you know, and, and me as a person, other than Robert Drummond, the athlete, okay, tell us about the NFL, tell us about this game, tell us about your best game, tell us about the undefeated season. It's like, that's all well and good, but that's things I've gone over, you know, saying to people thousands of times, you know, tell, why don't you tell me about Robert, Robert, why don't I tell you about Robert Drummond, the person who goes in the community and tries to help every single athlete that he possibly can out, you know, just to accomplish goals and things they want to in life. I was blessed. I, mean, I was I was blessed by the grace of God to be given a scholarship to Syracuse University to parlay that to getting drafted into the NFL to parlay that into playing 15 years professional football and still you know being being healthy right now to where I have 40 something plus friends that have committed suicide because of CTE and for some reason God still allows me to be here so while I'm still here and while I'm not one of those statistics I just told you I'm going to do the best I can to help people 
accomplish what it is they want to, to in life. And I want to surround myself with people like that. And from that moment I met you, you were like that. You're one of the, I always tell you, you're one of the good ones, Dan. I always say that to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I mean, and I appreciate that. And, you know, and, and, it, and like I said, it, it, it depends on where it comes. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, you know, I've, I've learned and I talk about my, my 33 days and counting and, and kind of, you know, uh, in this journey that I've been on. And with myself, you know, during not just because of coronavirus, but because of a lot of things. And, you know, and, and you're talking about positive energy and positive things and, and, and nice compliments. And and the reality of it all is like we we care so much about other people's opinions. But the only OK, first and foremost, the only opinion that that matters, the, the one that matters the most is your own. And then on top of that, if you're going to go outside of that and outside of your own and God and all that, which I consider one encompassing, if you're going to go be beyond that, then, you know, you think about, are you caring about the opinions of the people that don't eat dinner with you, don't sit down with you, they're not married to you, they're not sleeping in a bed with you, they're not, they're not like seeing you go through the trenches, like people that, that everybody's going to have an opinion, but it's like, how does a movie star or a singer, if somebody says, I hate your song, and there's a thousand comments about how horrible of a singer you are, how do you not jump off a cliff? Well, those people don't know you. They don't know who you are. So if you do seek the opinions of others, you seek the opinions of people who want the best for you, want to see you succeed. And and those are the, if anything is going to matter, those are the people that you really kind of bounce ideas off of. And I feel that there's so much, I've kind of learned that over these last 30, 33 days is, is the reality of if you seek outside opinion, seek it from people who want the best for you, who want you to succeed, who want you to be the best version of yourself, because outside of those people, none of the other opinions matter. Not at all. I mean, I can't, my philosophy is I can't really worry about somebody else's opinion of me because it's their opinion. Everyone's entitled to one, you know? All I know is I can go out there and, and do the best damn job I possibly can do it in, in any given situation, you know? And, and at the end of the day, you know, I know there are younger children, even my own family members that look up to me, you know? So with them looking up to me, it must mean I'm doing something right. So I'll value their opinions more than I will some adult who may have a bitter grudge or edge against me because I accomplished something that they only dreamed there or imagined of accomplishing. You know, I, I'll sit here and say it, probably under 1%. And by 1%, I mean 1% of the people on this on this planet that, that, that's been drafted into the NFL. No, but doesn't mean I'm better than anybody. Doesn't mean I walk around and act like I'm, you know, you know, bigger or better or more important than anybody else. We're all God's children, you know. We're, we're, we're we all wake up every morning and do the best job we possibly can. Well, some of us, you know, they do do have some out there that that, that are self-serving and go by for themselves. But as I said before, just do the best job you possibly can every single day, you know. And and, and the rest will take care of itself. I used to always tell that to you, and you would get so frustrated sometimes when we would do our show. Like, Dan, relax, take a deep breath, young man. You're fine. Like, the one time, uh, I wasn't going to beat the guy up, but I was going to def- definitely scare him. And the one time, like, you remember that? Uh, yeah. I'm not going to mention this the establishment, but yeah, he just yeah. got upset because he wanted music playing. And I'm like, you know what? We're here for a service there to help people. Some people want to listen. If you don't want to listen, walk outside. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that simple, you know? I just don't understand some people sometimes. And that's. Well, I'm a very private person, and I try and live and keep a quiet life. But you'd be, you'd be shocked at how hard it is for me to keep a quiet life. I don't know how people still recognize me around this city. I mean, I, I'm older now. I'm not the same young face that I was when I was in college. <laughs> people would be like, Robert Drummond. I'm like, how do you know that? Like, <laughs> Syracuse is so small, but I mean, it just goes to show you. I just 
got along with everybody. And I can tell good people from bad people. It's it's not hard to tell. You can feel their energy when you walk near someone. Some people have your best interest at heart. Some don't. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, you know, and and that's and that's reality. And in Rob, uh, Rob, obviously uh, CFL, NFL, and, and Syracuse history. He's here on the 100th episode of 2020 uh, of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora because there's nobody better to have on. And uh, and we'll talk about Steve Adazio in a second because I know you have a connection to him. But you know, you did. You brought. You know, you always said that to me, Rob. And and the crazy thing is, like, you and I haven't had a fireside chat in a while. And we haven't seen each other, you know, because of this girl, this girl Rona got between us, you know, she just, she's just doing her thing, you know, I feel like we're on an episode of Martin and we're both trying, you know, and there's this girl Rona just causing drama and stuff. So I feel like I'm on some Jerry Springer show and Rona just threw a chair and she's screaming and they're trying to bleep out her words, you know, Rona, she, she just ain't right, but you know, we'll see each other soon, and uh, I'll be I'll be wearing a, a bubble, but you know it'll be fun. We'll be in like beach balls, and we can bounce around that way. But uh, you know, we haven't had a fireside chat in a bit. But I find it, you know, like what you brought up on the show today, because I'm, you know, I am who I am, and people see it on the show, and you're the same way. I'm the same that you would you would meet in person, but you did. I mean, you told me for the better part of the last ten years advice that that like I'm finally taking now. And it wasn't that I didn't hear it, but it was almost like I didn't I didn't feel capable. And there was so much anxiety and so much worry. But I've been on this this pilgrimage thing lately, and I and I don't know if you know this, but this will be my twenty. Let me get this right. This will be my twenty ninth day of walking at least 10,000 steps a day. And my goal was 10,000, but it's now it's 14, it's 13, it's 15. I'm averaging 15,000 a day and I'm, I'm walking 7.6 miles a day. And so, you know, for me, there has been a lot to be said about these last 30 plus days and, and what I've been doing, um, you know, techniques mentally, uh, working on being mentally strong, uh, walking, talking to God, talking things through with myself taking deep breaths, purposeful breathing, walking. So all this advice that, that that you've given to me over the years where I felt like I was just under this giant dark cloud, I've now essentially pushed the cloud off of me and I've realized something that you're going to laugh at, but it's a reality. The only thing that we can control in our lives is what we say, what we do, and how we act and what we think. Outside of that, we have absolutely no control. And it sucks but it's true, and the things that help me get through life are walking, thinking, purposeful breathing, and positive reinforcement. I know. I've been trying to do things to relax yourself mentally, and, and uh, everybody else's opinion of you is just uh, just that an opinion. People are going to show you how they feel about you by how they treat you. You know, and and it's, just, it's as basic as that. You know, they treat you with kindness. They're kind people. They treat you, you know, with with, with intent that you may not seem to, to like or, or, or seems a little off. It's a little off. People don't hide who they are. They expose themselves immediately from, you know, from, from, from the first time they meet you to the last time, you know. And that's one thing. I, that's how I, I go through life, you know. But I've been, during this break, I've just been gardening. I, I, I told myself, it's like, you know, as much knowledge as I have about, you know, being a personal trainer and, you know, the, the game of football. And it's not just a game of football. It's a game of life also. I'm going to try and teach these young kids to be able to go out there and be positive young role models and just be positive if not for someone else just for themselves because you have to heal yourself before you can ever heal anybody else and i learned that i le- unfortunately i learned it the hard way 
Well, and that's the thing, Rob, is that, you know, I consider you a good person and I would like to think that I'm a good man out there, a good person out there. But, you know, I have, you know, what started my kind of my my last 33 day mission was the fact that I wasn't being a good person. I wasn't being kind. I wasn't I wasn't acting the way that that I really felt. And and I realized where that was coming from and and the place that that was coming from, uh, a place of doubt, a place of fear, a place of uh, a place of, of living in the past and whatnot. And so, you know, you talk about, you know, being a good person and how you treat people and, you know, and that goes a long way. But, you know, there, there were times in my life where I treated people the opposite of how I felt about them. And I, you know, looked like the opposite of who I am. And that kind of put me on this road of, of establishing myself because, you know, I was on the other side of the tracks on a place I thought I would never be and treating people in a way that I, that I thought that I wasn't capable of. And I think that it's important to tell the story too of, of the times where you and I, that we want to be good people and we work to be good people. And sometimes we let self doubt fear, which is the devil's lie. And, you know, a lot of a lot of things, uh, past things that have happened kind of get a hold of us. And, and I became the the opposite of, of who I expect myself to be. And unfortunately, I had to pay uh, pay a price for that. But, you know, it, it's I think that we have to learn and we have to grow and we have to kind of find, you know, find out who we are. And unfortunately, even if you are a good person, it doesn't mean that you don't stumble and that's that's the whole point I was trying to get at is that sometimes good people do bad things and we have to, you know, and, and hopefully we get a second chance to, you know, make make right with the people that we love the most. Because uh, unfortunately, even even those of us that try to be good every day uh, realize sometimes <laughs> in the mix of things that we we weren't taking care of ourselves. Like you said, you got to fix yourself first. And I didn't. I didn't really focus on that, and unfortunately, it came back and bit me, and you're always hoping that you get another chance to make it right. You're absolutely right, and I say, you know, the day you can find out you're not the person that you thought you were, is the day you can change, is the day you can make changes to yourself. I mean, I didn't know a lot about myself until my father's murder, and woof, what a wake-up call, you know, because that, that person, I never, ever, ever want to be that person that like that, that I wasn't a bad person before, so I was a good person, but how that made me feel inside, then I realized I could never go on a dark path like that or be that bad person or be that mean person or you know, or hurt anybody else like that. So I said from that day forward, I changed, changed my life and to be a kind, caring you know, person that would do anything to help anybody, you know, unless they show me their darkness inside of them. And then, but instead of lashing out and trying to hurt them, I just keep on, keep it moving and go on to the next person. I just want to be around positive people doing positive things in life, you know, who don't want to hurt anybody else. And that's just me. That coming from Rob Drummond, Central New York, born and raised, Syracuse NFL and CFL alum, and here with us on the 100th episode of 2020. And uh, Rob, Steve Adazio was on the show uh, right before you came on, and, and we had the opportunity to speak with him. Uh, you know, because I've talked about him over and over and over again, I mean, if, if anybody knew that I wanted to get this man on the show for like a real sit-down, uh, just him and I interview, it, it, besides me, it was you that knew that I wanted to talk with Steve and celebrate Steve. And I told people all the time, the best school that recruits Central New York is Boston College. And that was because of Steve. And then Steve went to Colorado State. And what's and who, who was the first offer to Mike Washington Jr., the running back out of CNS? 
Colorado State. And so when people say, well, why the hell is Colorado looking at him? And if Syracuse didn't offer him, it's because Steve Adazio is going to look at Central New York no matter what. He said so many great things about it. He still has friends up here and, you know, he stays well connected to it. And, and I know that you have a connection to Steve Adazio, and I know, I know you have a lot of respect for him. So I'm kind of just going to open up the door to that because you are on the recruiting trail and, and, and you are constantly trying to uh, showcase Central and Upstate New York talent. And, and you know, it's, it's very important for you for these young men and women of all different sports to get an opportunity. And I know one of the people that comes calling every single year is, is Steve Adazio. And I know that you have a lot of respect for how he recruits and feels about the area. I mean, first of all, Coach Daz is not, not, not just a great coach, but what a great person, you know, a great individual. He's a type of coach, he's a type of person who I would definitely love to have my child around for four years in a college environment or setting because he just not teaches them the game of football. He teaches about life, commitment, respect. You know, he's, he's from that Coach Mac. Well, he's under Coach Pascaloni, but Coach Pascaloni learned from Coach Mac. You know, and Coach Adaz learned from um, Coach Pascaloni. You know, just those hard, soggier kind of coaches that, that get it, that understand it. And I always say, I go back to Coach Mac. Coach Mac had uh, East as far as recruiting on lock. He had the whole central New York area. I mean, you look at the, the roster of our athletes there, and the, re and the reason Coach Mack had that philosophy, the reason Coach Pascalotti had that philosophy, the reason Coach Adazio has that philosophy right now in his thinking of the central New York area is because the athletes who sit there and play for their hometown play with a different kind of edge, play with a different kind of attitude because it's not just about a university to them. It's their hometown. They were born and raised there. Raised there, you know, they have to walk these streets every single day. Most of these athletes that come in now from, they're not to take anything away from the talented athletes that play at Syracuse now, but they're coming from Texas, they're coming from Florida, they're coming from places outside of CNY. So once the, once the game's over, they don't really travel the city because they really have no family here. They have friends here, but their friends are in the university. I was able to go go to the mall, go to my grandmother's house, go to my aunt's house, go back to my old high school, go to places in Syracuse where people knew who I was. And there was a, a sense of pride for me that I wasn't just playing at Syracuse University for me up at the university. I was playing for a, a community that embraced me. When you let guys like, I mean, I heard him mention Tyler Rouse, you know, and Stevie Scott, you know, and and I, and, I, and Mike Hart, you let guys like that get away, it not only does it hurt your program, it hurts your relationship with the community. There is no relationship right now with the community of Syracuse and the university. There is none. No, name an athlete that's on the active roster that's from the city of Syracuse that we can relate to. Can yeah. you? Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, I, I can't. I can name a lot of their players, but none of them are from Syracuse. No, they're, they're from other places. So it, that, that desire to win... That desire to play, the desire to be hungry, is 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 a, is a great thing coming from a local kid. And Coach Adaz, again, from the lessons from Coach Mac and Coach P, understands that when you can get a kid like that, you can mold that kid into being a great athlete, a great person, a great role model. Look at me. Look at Chris Gedney. You know, I can go on and on and on. Scott Swades, Tim Green. You know, it's just local kids that have done well. Done successful. Oh, and not to mention, all these guys got drafted and played in the NFL that I just mentioned. <laughs> Go figure. Yeah. You know, so when, when you when you don't recruit locally, I mean, it, it not only does it hurt hurt you in the recruiting process from getting a local athletes around here. When you get that one superstar that's coming out of here, he's not going to want to come here. You know, he's going to want to go and play for a coach who's loyal, like Coach Adazio. 
he's loyal to the Syracuse area. He understands that we, we have diamonds in the rough here. And, we, and if he can poach one, <laughs> which it is he's doing now, but I get it. I understand it. And I, I mean, to me, I have no kid from Syracuse going to play at Colorado State for Coach Dazio because I know the type of person he is and I know what he will instill in that young man, you know, going forward with just like football is just a precursor to how life's going to be. You know, and if you can get you know, your your young child around a mentor or a gentleman or a coach like him, <laughs> that's 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 half the battle right there. Well, and that's the thing. You know, Rob Drummond here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tatora talking about uh, Steve Dazio and, and, and everything that he has done in, in his his recruitment of the area and and he even said you know he he said i'm not here to judge any other any other program or any coaching staff he's like but if you're asking me directly am i you know am i surprised that syracuse isn't doing it or do i agree he's like no you know like uh, of course like i don't I, this is crazy you know this doesn't make sense to me like they should be seeing and they lost out on dorsey levens they lost out i mean if we look at just you are running back at JD. So if we look just at running backs in the community, they lost out on Tyler Rouse. They lost out on Stevie Scott. They lost out on Mike Hart. They lost out on Dorsey Levins. They lost out on Latavius Murray. The list goes on. Just at the running back position alone, Syracuse lost out. And we look at these guys. I mean, in Steve Adazio last year, he had, I think, seven players. He had CBA, Nottingham, CNS. He had kids from all over Central and Upstate New York on Boston College's roster. And, and now, you know, he can't talk about it because it's not signed, but I can talk about the fact that Mike Washington Jr., like I said, of CNS, he was not only offered by Colorado State and Steve Adazio, he was the first one. And this is the saddest thing in the world. When I've talked to coaching staffs around the country, they have said to me, is there something wrong with Mike Washington. And I said, what do you mean? And they said, well, I'm looking at his film and I like the guy and I know he's got, you know, I know he's got offers and this and that, but is there something with his character? Is there something with him? And I said, why? And they said, well, well, Syracuse isn't recruiting him. So we're just wondering. And I said, this is where Syracuse hits you twice. They hit you by not recruiting you. And then secondly, by not recruiting you, they make schools around the country think that because they're five minutes down the road and they didn't recruit you, then there must be something with your grades. There must be something with your character. There must be something with your attitude. And the reality of it all is there's not. And, and I, I had to literally tell a coach on the phone, these kids have nothing wrong with them that I can see. It's just Syracuse doesn't care enough. And when I talk to these kids, I say, well, you know, what's Syracuse's deal with you? And I've had a couple guys in the community tell me like, oh, they call me and, you know, they told me they're like looking at my film and they hope I can come to camp and this and that. And I was like, yeah, but what, like, are they going to offer you? Oh, they just told me to like, keep working hard. And, and, and it just, it frustrates me that these kids, that, that coaches are asking me and literally saying to me, what's wrong with this kid? Not because Syracuse has done, I mean, it's got nothing to do with it, but they, they, they want to know, like, if, if the school five minutes down the road isn't recruiting them, then is there something we're missing? I had a coach ask me that. Is there something I'm missing about this kid? Is there something wrong? And I was like, no, there's nothing wrong whatsoever. They just don't recruit them. And it, it, it kills me because I would never, ever want a young man or woman to come from our community or any community and not only lose an opportunity to stay home, but lose an opportunity to go elsewhere because there's some stigma that comes from the fact that if the school's not offering you, there's something wrong with you because there's not anything wrong with the kids. It's wrong with the school. 
I completely agree. You know, it's just when you don't, you don't, you look at any other roster that's uh, that's that's dominant or not even dominant, but just successful in college football, and, and look at their roster and see how many local kids are on their team. It's loaded with local kids. That's how you build a relationship between the, you know, the, the sports programs and the community. You know, you get community-based athletes that go out there and will give you positive vibes and positive things about your university and the community, and, and you go from there. But we don't have that. You know, and it's sad. It's sad. It's actually become pretty pretty tragic and serious. It's so obvious. It's, it's even when former players like myself don't have a relationship with the university up there. That says a lot. Well, you know, and that's and that's the thing. And uh, EJ Dowdell said, "My cuzzo drum is the realest." Is what you uh, what you got this morning from? Any words for EJ? He's he's somebody that's always watching and listening. You got any words to say back to him? <laughs> nah, he, he gets it. He understands it. Also, I mean, as, as a local, I mean, I, I was joking. Who was I joking with? Was or one of my cousins? And they told me right. They asked me, Robert, who's the best running back ever out of Central New York to play for Syracuse?" Yeah, and I, and I sat there thinking about. It. I'm sitting there thinking about it. I was like, "The best running back that I like." Hey, what are you even thinking about? I'm like, "What?" He's like, "It's you." I'm like, "No." He's like, "Name anybody else then." So I'm thinking, okay, Dorsey Levin. Nope, he went to he went to Georgia Tech and did uh, Notre Dame. You know, and then I'm like, um, Davis Murray. Nope, he went down to um I'm like, holy smokes! I never even thought about it like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Yeah, it's you. And the thing, and the thing is, career-wise, I mean, what over, over seven yards a carry in your career, and it's only you, Jim Brown, and Ernie Davis. So uh, I, I was like five point five. Don't put me in a class. Of those, those <laughs> no, no, but you did. You're you're in the top. You're in the top three, though. And, and, and yeah, right. You're in the top three. So I gave you a little more yards per carry, but you're in the top three. But and and one of the greatest stories that I actually got to tell uh, recently here. Is is the fact that uh, I actually told it last week was that you told me when you would break out into the open field, you would and you had daylight and you're just you know you're just running the ball and you could just keep going and keep jetting away to the end zone and you would slow down so somebody could catch up to you just so you could hit somebody. I mean, like that's but that's like you know and I was talking to some of these recruits. And to go off of that, you know, because keep that point with what you did. But I talked, I talked to this, uh, I think it was Devontae Miles. And I said, and I said, like, what's your favorite part of the game or something like that? And he goes, he goes, man, he goes, he's like, he's like, I can, he's like, I could be violent for 40 minutes and nobody can stop me. Like there, and, and, and I mean, it's just to hear, you know, cause these aren't bad kids, but they're saying to me, like, I have a place to take out my anger, my aggression, my frustration, and they enjoy the fact that they can hit and, and have the, you know, legally and get the violence over with and then be good in our community because, you know, they're just playing a sport, but you love to hit. I got kids telling me now, like, I, that's my favorite part of the game is that I get to go hit somebody. So it, go into that a little bit deeper because you enjoyed the contact, which most people would think, well, what are you nuts? Like if you could get away, get away, but you actually like the contact. I mean, I, I relish the contact. I mean, it, it was, it was, it's a, it's a gladiator sport. Let's, let's be real about that. You know, and, you know, it, it's a, you know, it's a high collision, it's not a contact sport. It's a collision sport, you know, and just to you know, flex your will, you know, your mental, know prowess over over another athlete who's probably just as big and just as strong as you are you know is a satisfying feeling you know there are linebackers out there there were you know six four 
250, 260 pounds. And I would run at them and I would try and absolutely annihilate them. I didn't care how big they were. And then we would hit and I, you know, and I'd run through them. You stand back up and you just take a look back at them. And you're like, yeah, you know, I'm on 227 plus pounds. I ran through you like you weren't there. And it was just a, a chest beating man sport. And I was, I was great at that. I loved that. That's why I was so physical. That's why I, I think I accomplished as much as I accomplished in pro sports for the simple fact that I was just tough. I never let anything, you know, just, just slow me down. I mean, you literally had to, you know, break a bone for me to stay out of the game. But even, I even played in games with broken bones. Yeah. There are some, there are some games before where I told the coaches, just don't tell, just don't tell the other team, just tape it up to where it looks like a glove or something. They'll never know. I played with broken hands before. I played with a broken rib before. You know, I dislocated my elbow in a game and didn't come out of it, didn't tell them to after the game because I loved the game of football so much that I wasn't going to let no injury stop me from playing. And I played hard nose. And the funny thing is that when I didn't have that love like I had for that, game anymore i knew it was time to retire and i remember walking off like in my it was a, we were actually in montreal i was playing for Toronto. this is in 2003 and i remember after that game we had lost a playoff game and that for the first time in my heart the first time in my life i was like you know what that wasn't fun that was that was more like work than it was having fun i was like you know robert probably it's time you know just to walk away you know and i did never yeah. looked back and people ask me that now it's like do you miss the game i'm like no I don't miss it, not one bit. I don't miss it at all. I love teaching the game, yeah. you know, to, to, to get the kids that need to learn. You know, I'm working with my, my, my little cousin right now who's going to be quite the athlete. You know, I, I talked to you about that. We're going to have to talk about him pretty soon because <laughs> yeah. he's the next up-and-coming athlete around here. But, you know, it's just just love to be able to teach them the game, love to be able to make them understand that football, there's more to life and you will ever understand in the game of football, it teaches you so much, but you also have to surround yourself with, uh, with, with good coaches in order to, to learn that part of the game. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's the thing, like, you know, you you just fall in love, like you said, when you realized it was different and you weren't loving it and this and that, then you had to kind of, you had to move forward, but you still love teaching the game and love being around it. And, and that's such a testament. And like I said, you know, to have this 100th show of 2020 and to have you on it because, you know, I wanted it to be an ode to the community of Central and Upstate New York. And you're so connected with the community and you're so connected with the people here. And you you love these kids and you promote these kids and you have your rap system that trains them. And it works for all sports. It works for any athlete. It works for any it works for, you know, any age. It, it literally can fit anybody at any given time, man, woman or child. And I just love what you're doing with that. And I want to talk about that in a minute. But before we go there, I want to go to something that you and I talked about off the air. And that is, you know, in the recruitment. So we look at uh, Mike Washington, for example, and we look at some of the offers he has. And so one of the instances that some people said was, okay, well, maybe Syracuse hasn't offered him yet because, you know, he has the Yukons and the Fordhams and the Holy Crosses and the Villanovas and whatnot. Maybe they need to see something more. Well, Derek McDonald, not to, I'm not, I'm not saying anything negative about him by any stretch of the imagination. Derek McDonald is a defensive lineman, and Derek McDonald uh, comes to, uh, he's he's from Atlanta, Georgia, and he's committed to Syracuse for the incoming class of 2021. These are his offers: Akron, Austin P, Bucknell, Chattanooga, Dartmouth, Harvard, Jacksonville State, Lafayette, Lehigh, Murray State, Penn, Princeton. Southern Illinois, Tennessee State, Western Carolina, Yale, and your likes of Villanova and Holy Cross and Fordham and Yukon. His list 
is just like Mike Washington Jr.'s list. The only difference is he's in Georgia and Mike is in Central New York. And so I use Derek as an example to say if it's about the offers in the other school, you know, you need to get some bigger schools, you need to get some bigger this. He has almost the exact same carbon copy type of teams that Mike Washington has, yet Mike still doesn't have an offer. And I hope Mike doesn't mind me mentioning him, but it's just a statement of the reality and the factual evidence of Syracuse is gung-ho about getting Derek McDonald from Atlanta, Georgia, but Mike Washington is 15 minutes away and he has the same schools offering him. So you can't tell me it's about the schools offering him. I said the exact same thing when I, when I, when I said, we were just talking about it. You said that. Yeah. But it's like, it, 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 it amazes me, you know, and it's just that, you know, and, and here you have a school like Colorado State and Coach Dazio, he gets it, you know, that, that offer the, offers a kid early, you know, to where now, the, 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 where Syracuse comes around now and eventually ends up offering Mike, you know, he'll say no, you know, why would I come sign with you now when they showed, showed more interest in me early on and you didn't, you know, why do you let an outside source, you know, show show you more love than, you know, than, than you, you never let another parent show more love for your kid than, you know, than you. I don't mean the same parent, I mean an outsider, you know? Yeah. You let, an, you, let, you let an outsider show more love by offering you immediately and you're not doing anything? Nah, I'll pass. You know what? But that's it. It's not just him. It's going to trickle down. So now parents going to be like, wait a minute, you didn't show love to Mike, blah, blah, blah. Why would I want my son to go there? Whoop, the next best offer comes along. You know, they'll start taking the next best and we'll start losing talented athletes here to go someplace else. You know, look at Stevie. You know, or granted, Stevie didn't want to come to Syracuse, but Stevie has his reasons. No. Well, and that's the thing is when I talked to Stevie and his recruitment and Stevie be coming from CBA and I, I, I asked him flat out, I said, what do you think about, it was like our second or third interview, I think it was our second one. And I said, what do you think about Syracuse? And he's like, nothing. And I was like, what, what I was like, what, I was like, what do you mean? He goes, they don't talk to me. He's like, I, I don't, I got nothing. Like we don't. And I was just like, so y'all don't have like a relation. Like he had nothing to say because there was no connection. And I was like, Dino Babers could ride a tricycle to come see your game. Like he could, he could literally skateboard to your game if he wanted to. And I mean, we're talking about, this is where Syracuse practices over at Manly. And you literally have to go down the road and around the corner to get to CBA. And, and there was no connection to Stevie Scott who went to Indiana, who set a single season, single season, true freshman running record for Indiana. So now he's number one in history. He had over a thousand yards as a freshman last year, still was fantastic. He's going to play in the NFL. I can't wait to, to draft him, but I'm, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself too, it's like Steve Adazio got AJ Dillon and he also thought Tyler Rouse was really good. And before AJ Dillon, Tyler Rouse was the running back at Boston college. And so, you know, it's like Steve knows what he's talking about and he knows what he sees. And now, and now AJ Dillon was a second round pick to the green Bay Packers. And Trust me, folks, if he is not your starting running back in Green Bay, then Green Bay is doing something wrong. So, I mean, I, I just I'm looking at I'm looking at the coaches. I'm looking at Randy Etzel of UConn. I'm looking at these people that are taking this time and doing everything they can. Nobody better than Steve Adazio. And I'm scratching my head to how Syracuse could be losing recruits to Rutgers and Indiana and UConn. And even even the Villanovas of the word world and the Fordhams of the world and whatnot. I mean, Xavier uh, Brumfield, who's over at West Jenny, has been on this show, and 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 he's getting love from outside of the area. And it it just it baffles me that the Nottinghams and the CNSs and and I know that you know Rochester's an area that Syracuse is trying to get out to now, but the Aquinas Institutes and a lot of these places, these kids have gone 
anywhere else, and it's usually either they go to Steve Adazio or they go to Randy Etzel or they end up in the Big Ten. And there, there's a lot of people that the Big Ten has gone after. And, and even one of the guys, Gabe Horan, who played at C.W. Baker in Baldwinsville before he got uh, medically disqualified uh, at Syracuse, he was being recruited by the Big Ten, and his head coach, uh, Carl Sanfilippo, wanted him to wait because he's like, if he would have waited to commit and he didn't commit to Syracuse right away, he's like, I think he would have had the majority of the Big Ten. So I, there's just something to be said about how everybody else knows how talented we are, except for the school that's down the street. Just, you know, if you don't keep a relationship with your former players that live locally, not just former players, but who were there during an era where the teams were great, we were playing hence that you know the undefeated team and the 10 and one records and that and these guys all got drafted high in the nfl yeah yeah they could sit there and be and give, give tutelage to your players who what was the highest pick they had this year alton fifth round yeah i think it was uh i think elton robinson was the fifth round yeah um i was i was oh yeah the third right that's besides the point but i'm just saying <laughs> and, and you know to make light of it a 15 year pro sad thing about it is uh, when we look at this you know elton robinson a defensive end out of syracuse right absolutely great kids and the thing is he was drafted by the seahawks in the fifth round like i had said and not only drafted in the fifth round but here's here's the sad truth he's syracuse's highest pick in six years and it's the fifth round it's day three and, you know, I mean, and before that, it was Jay Bromley in the third. But, it, I mean, it, it just, it it baffles me that Kendall Coleman doesn't get you. And that's what I said. I was like, they don't have the connections that they used to. They don't have the rapport that they used to. And in the Dino, in the Dino Babers era, we're not seeing, I mean, Kendall Coleman should have been drafted. Uh, you know, Sean Riley, who's been all over the field, should have been drafted. We look at a very, very, very late pick for Sterling Hoffrichter, who was leading the country at certain times. You know, and, and the thing is, like, our punters are the ones that are, are, are getting drafted and that are going and making teams in the Riley Dixons of the world because Syracuse has to punt the ball a lot. But, I mean, it's it's just, I mean, you look at this and say to yourself, like, what happened? Because even in the worst of the worst of times for Syracuse, they were still getting guys drafted to the NFL. And now, especially defensively, there seems to be a collective lack of respect for the defensive scheming, 
of of what's going on. And obviously Syracuse is changing to a 3-3-5 now, but I'm just kind of baffled by the fact that Elton Robinson and Chris Frederick and Kendall Coleman, I mean, there are guys that should, and if Trill Williams and Andre Cisco, if they don't get drafted or they get drafted fourth, fifth, sixth round, then you're really going to realize a problem because Andre Cisco came on the map, him and Trill came on the map as freshmen. And, and, and Andre, I would imagine, would be, you know, could be a second round, maybe a third round. If these guys start falling, then I'm really, really going to be at a point here where I'm going to say it's a bridge, you know, and and the bridge from Syracuse to the NFL isn't there anymore. Because, Rob, on the worst of days for Syracuse, guys were still not only going to the NFL, but they were becoming captains. And and now I'm looking at two bookends on on the defensive line in Kendall and Elton that both should have had teams on draft day and both should have been before the fifth round. And Kendall's got to wait until the draft ends to get a call from the Colts, and Elton's got to wait until the fifth round. Sounds crazy to me. Yeah, that, that that shocked me. I definitely thought Kendall would get get drafted, but I thought Alton would go in the second or third round. He's that good. He's yeah. that good of a player. It's, it's like you said, it's got to be a, a bridge, bridge or something that the Syracuse is just not getting it or just not feeding into these, you know, scouting, you know, directors that they don't they don't see what it is they need to see to draft these guys. You know, and it's sad. It's sad to watch. You know, we got a uh, we got a lot of messages that came in. Uh, uh, <laughs> Huey said uh, that doesn't make any sense. Uh, EJ said exactly what we were talking about. He said, Coach Mac, Coach P, and Randy Etzel, who he tagged. Shout out for tagging Randy Etzel because uh, Randy's somebody I appreciate very much. So got to talk to Randy this past summer uh, when we were at the American Athletic uh, that's summer kickoff. Yeah, you know. And, Great, man. I love him to death. <laughs> and, I, and when I finally got the opportunity to talk with him, he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt. and what, He was Miami Vicen at, at the uh, event of the American Athletic. And I and I said for one of the first things that I blurted out of my mouth is Rob Drummond's one of my best friends, so you know I was like, don't shoot me, I know Rob, but uh, that's kind of how I looked because he you know he kind of looked like and I'm I want to talk to Randy about this. He kind of looked like you know he was one of those Miami gangsters when I walked up to him. And I was like, don't shoot, I know Rob Drummond. I felt like it was like one of those Bad Boys movies. Did you see the Bad Boys for Life? Did you see the third one? I did. Yes, I did. Did you like it? It was okay. I mean, I mean, I'm not a real big bad boys person, but it was it was interesting. See, I like it's my favorite. One of my favorite parts of it is the fact that Martin Lawrence still doesn't know the words. So <laughs> yeah. when they do the what you're gonna do, and he's like second most seconds, a. So. I love it. We got uh, more stuff coming in here. EJ said, Coach Matt, Coach P, and Randy Etzel didn't let any local talent play somewhere else. Um, he also went on to say that uh, they let Nottingham Jaleel Barry get away. So I remember Jaleel. Uh, he said he'll be starting at BC this year. Uh, Pat said it's ridiculous. These coaches don't pay more attention to this kid. He's right in our backyard. Syracuse recruiting is frustrating sometimes and doesn't make sense. At t- or doesn't make sense at times. Uh, Huey said we don't do this in Georgia. Uh, most on the team are from Georgia. And then uh, EJ said recruited me too. And then Pat said uh, Tristan Jackson should have been drafted as well because he left he left early and and how many Syracuse players you know leave a little bit early in football and like basically my advice to anybody playing at Syracuse is stay four years because when they when they leave you know and they and they try to go early it just never seems to work out you know we talk about when these when these guys have made these decisions and it's it's so sad I mean you look at Amba Adetawo and what he did at Syracuse in, in one season and then 
in the NFL, nobody wanted to give him a chance. So there needs they need to bridge this gap. I know Syracuse hired an offensive line coach who's supposed to have a really good connection, you know, and 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 some of these other guys that that they've hired. But I mean, you, it's not just about getting them to play in college. It's about building them and giving them an opportunity in the NFL. And I. Uh, it, it just it hasn't it hasn't happened in recent years and it's driving me crazy because I got a laundry list of Prince Tyson Gullies and Jerome Smiths and on and on and on that should have made somebody's roster even on special teams and I'm I'm baffled by it. Yeah, I mean you're baffled by it. Huh? Me me. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I feel you. So Rob is uh, Rob is here with us. Uh, we're rounding out today's show. Rob Drummond hanging out in show number one hundred of 2020 here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. And uh, we thank you all for tuning in, listening, and watching. You're listening on MixLR.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. You're watching on Facebook.com backslash Live Now DT. And we're inside of the Charney's Menswear and Tuxedo Studios. As always, on 3150 Erie Boulevard East in Syracuse, New York. So, uh, Rob, final one of the final points I want to make here uh, with you is what you're doing in the community. Because uh, Steve Adazio is recruiting central and upstate New York, and he's done it forever. And he had an eye up here when he was with the Gators in Florida. And he's always had an eye here and he's always loved it. And he's always appreciated the talent. And he said, you know, you got to go from the inside out. He's at Colorado state now. So he's looking at the Colorado kids, but he's always looking at central New York and made it a point to be the first one to offer Mike Washington jr. Out of CNS. That's his side of it. He's recruiting them. You're educating them and building them and improving them to the best of your ability as a trainer and through your rap system and everything you do speak with me on the community and and you know you can name some players if you like to but just what you can say about what you do on your side of it because a big reason why I thought it was essential to have a central and upstate New York uh, bonanza here for the 100th episode I wanted it to all be about my hometown because I'm so grateful and thankful for where I grew up I think it's really vital and it's important to, you know, give your side of it. Steve is recruiting them. You're training them. Just what you can say about the athletes that you see of all sports in our community and the fact that Central New York and Upstate New York is anything but a, a an ice storm and, and essentially can be a hotbed and a good place to recruit from. I mean, Syracuse is a hotbed for talented, talented athletes. You know, it's just the fact that they have to understand that it takes a more. It takes more to being a great athlete than just being a great athlete. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it takes a whole mental prowess of being able to go out there and understand that you have to work hard to accomplish uh, what it is you want, not just in athletics but in life. That's the one thing. I mean, I absolutely love Randy Etzel because Randy Etzel was my recruiter in the morning at Syracuse. Second, Randy Etzel taught me the definition of hard work. Um, I thought I knew what hard work was when I was in high school. I got to Syracuse University, and holy smokes, I had no idea. And it was a huge shock for me. You know, so much so where I thought, you know, I, I may, maybe I'm not cut out for this. And he made me understand and made me realize and believe through hard work I could accomplish whatever I want. It's a, it's a, actually, a lot has happened since then. But at that time, I was the second freshman in the history of the university to ever start his first game. And, and they attributed to me just know working hard and understanding what it was i was supposed to do you know being a hard worker and that's the one thing i try and teach this generation now the, the athletes train when i train them i push them so much that they understand it's like whoa wait a minute this this is the hardest thing i've ever had to do and i was like yeah it's gonna be like that i said but i hear i won't ever ask you to do anything that i didn't have to do myself they're like you did this i was like yeah i did 
saying this this is this is what it's going to take and make them understand it's not about just sitting there playing video games and you don't have the luxury of having everything handed to you if you work if you want something bad enough you got to work for it as i said now i'm working with my young my young cousin jaron duplu who's a sophomore at bishop ludden he's actually working with another kid named alex from um from from cba he's a sophomore from cba i forget alex's last name but great kids but i mean i've been working with him now for alex for about a month jaron for about a month and a half and it and the gains he's had has been unbelievable. But he's starting to realize and start to understand, whoa, this is what it's going to take to be able to play at that next level. And I'm like, yep. And say, you have to understand. Now, next month, it gets harder. You know? And you know who taught me that? Coach Edsel. We would have drills where we would be backed up in the end zone, and we would just have short yard drills, you know, getting out of the end zone, you know, to, to, to punt the ball. And we would hand the ball off to the running back. And I'm not joking with you. I would go about three or four yards. And I turn around to walk back into the into the uh, into the goal line to get ready for the next play. He'd be like, "Where are you going?" I'm like, "I'm getting ready for the next play, coach." He's like, "Nope." Always act like you know it's a it's a play where you can break it for a long run. Get in the end zone, sprint sprint all the way down there, then jog back and get ready for the next play. I'm like, "Are you serious?" He's like, "Yep." So from that point on, I always learned how to finish every single play, no matter where I was. I finished every play. It took me a while to get in shape to do that, but it made me realize the determination and the heart and the desire and drive you have to have to be able to play at that next level. And that's what propelled me to be able to be a split splitting time with a great Michael Owens, you know, and still got drafted in the third round, still played 15 years professional sport, still was able to be able to go out there and work hard. No one will ever, that player will ever tell you that I was not the work, hardest worker on the field, made myself into a great athlete. Wasn't born a great athlete because no great athlete's born unless you're some freak of nature like, you know, like Lamar Jackson or LeBron James or Kobe. You know, those those guys were freakish athletes, but not everyone's born like that. You have to work as hard as you can to become not to become great to, to get your body in the position to be be able to be great. And that's the one thing I try and teach these kids up here is the knowledge I have of being able to be able to achieve and accomplish things at that next level. You gotta work for it, and I push them. That coming from Rob Drummond. Got to work for everything that you want in life. The good stuff, the good stuff don't come easy. And Rob, I think if, go ahead. What are you saying? So nothing's handed to you. You got to work for everything. Well, and 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 I think to kind of round this whole thing out, and the reality of it all is, you know, there's certain things in life you got to be strong mentally. You have to, you you know, you got to, you you have to have mental toughness. You have to be able to talk yourself through a problem. You have to know that your happiness comes from the inside out. It doesn't come from outside influence. It doesn't come from people. You can't let people's opinions of you change your opinion of yourself. You have to be willing to say when you're wrong. You have to be willing to fight for something that you want. I never thought in a million years, I never ever thought because I didn't like running and I didn't like walking, I never thought that I would do 10,000 steps a day. That sounded like a daunting and crazy task. And it took me meeting somebody who changed my life. And then I was like, okay, well, they do 10,000 steps a day and I'll walk with them. And then, you know, I was, you know, and I kind of brought it up earlier in the show. I was not the best version of myself and I lost that person in my life. And when I lost that person in my life, I said to myself, you know what? I can't just be in the house trapping myself in this I got to do something and I just went out and started walking and kind of unconsciously or subconsciously was just walking and just kind of talking to God talking to myself and now I'm looking at 29 days straight 
of 10,000 steps. And when I get 10,000 and I see it on my phone, I'm like, no, that's not enough. And I'll walk for 11, I'll walk for 12, I'll walk for 13, I walk for 24,000, you know, a few, a few, a few days back uh, within the last couple weeks here. But, you know, to me, it's, it's just, what needed to push me to do it. Sometimes you got to hit rock bottom. Sometimes you, you have to literally smack your face on the pavement to realize what you need to do. And what sounded like I, a hyperventilating, oh my God, there's no way I can do it. Now I can't function without it. I have to walk every day. My dad called me and said, do you want to make some raised rose, rose beds tomorrow? And I was like, I was like, yeah, you know? And so I was, I went over to his house yesterday and I was like, but can I walk? And I walked for two hours and then I came in and did what I had to do because to me, like I need to do it. So it's just funny how the world works where sometimes you got to get kicked in the tail to realize what you can do and what you're capable of. And just like Randy would make you run all the way to the end zone and know what it feels like to touch that. It's the same thing in my world of getting out and walking and saying, I got to touch 10,000 before I even think about going home and cooking myself some dinner tonight. And there's, there's something to be said about how we push ourselves and that in any form of life, whatever you're doing, if you think you can't, you won't. But if you push yourself to, you can. And there's things in the last 33 days that I've done that I never, ever thought I was capable of. But, you know, I had to get kicked in the teeth to do it. And sometimes, like I said, Rob, you got to fall on your face so that you can really become the person you were meant to be. That's absolutely true. Great words. <laughs> <laughs> and coming from Rob Drummond here, uh, Randy Etzel keep, kept it real with me, with me as well. Great coach. What EJ said, uh, I want to thank uh, Rob for being a part of the show today. Uh, Rob, for you, I mean, uh, obviously it's Memorial Day. We celebrate uh, all the time, at least for me. You know, I celebrate my, my great uncle Vincent, my great uncle Bucky, my great uncle Pat, my grandfathers and my great uncle Carmen, who all served in World War II. And, you know, my entire family uh, for everyone that served, as well as my grandmother, who was making guns at, uh, at General Motors during World War II when they had to switch everything up. And, and she was she was there making weapons to be sent off for our troops and, uh, and, and to help us win the war. So I, I know that this is a day of remembrance. It's a day to think of, of our freedoms and now more than ever how just uh, important uh, those freedoms are to each and every single one of us since we feel like we've had some taken away. Uh, what can you tell me about not just Memorial Day, but every day to not just remember the people that fought for freedom in wars, but the people that are fighting for freedom by standing on, you know, steps of police stations, people that are fighting for freedom by, you know, speaking out and getting in front of a microphone, people that are writing poems like Maya Angelou and whatnot. There's, there's, there's so many different versions of freedom that people are looking for, and there's different angles that people are taking, and the fight for freedom has really never stopped. So what do you want to say about that? I mean, just I mean, you, you look at this world in a bubble, and I and I just shorten that down by saying you look at the United States in a bubble, and today is about you know honoring the men and women and and, and pets, you know, and dogs, you know, that that served this country, that risked their lives or gave their lives, you know, so so we could you know not 
live, live as China, <laughs> you know, or, or live as, or live as North Korea. I'm being honest. You yeah, know, yeah. Think, think about it. You know, they, they 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 died. They gave their lives for you know for us to have that right. You know, for people to complain about not wearing masks or staying at home or you know things of that nature. That's that's a small thing. You know, they paid they paid the ultimate price. At least you were able to wake up today. You know, and, and have the opportunity to be able to complain or to be able to you know to, to voice your opinion. They don't. You know. They're, 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 their souls are, are resting right now because they gave their lives just so we were we could put ourselves in the position, you know, to be able to do that. So my respect goes to them. You know, my father fought in the Vietnam War, to, you know, two, two tours of duty in the Vietnam War, only to only be to, uh, to come back here and be murdered by a 16 year old kid 21 years ago. You know what? But am I angry with that? Not as much as I was, you know. But I, you know, I have forgiveness in my heart, you know, because that's what God would want, you know. And it understands, you know, you, people never really understand how something will affect them until it happens to them. You know, and, and that changed me as a person. And it didn't it didn't make me an angry person to go out there and destroy. It made me a more kind, more heartfelt, more caring person, you know? You know, because I understand that my, my pain, my battles, you know, somebody has it worse. You know, I mean, I, I've been friends a lot of kids before. Julian Ross was a young man uh, about seven years ago, you know, who had a myoblastoma, you know, a, a former cancer. He was eight years old. He died when he was eight years old. You know, and I remember that just touching me so much. I would always go to the you know, Children's Hospital here, Galicentos Hospital here in Syracuse, just to see him, you know, and some days he'd be okay and some days he'd be sick. But I always made it an effort to make him a part of my life and make him understand that he was important also. He was a huge Eagles fan and he was a you know, big, even bigger Syracuse fan. And I remember um, his mother and dad being like, telling me that you know he loved me so much because I took the time to make time for him. And I said to myself, why wouldn't I? You know, time is the only thing that you know that that, that we have here. Everything else is is moot. Whether it be money, whether it be materials, that you can't take that stuff to to you know to death with you. You know, it's all gonna be left behind. So get the time you can to help those you know who may have more or may have less. But you know, as long as you know in your heart that you uh, that you gave up your heart, that's all. That's all. All that matters, you know. And at the end of the day, when everyone's standing in front of that gate, and God looks at you and tell me, "All right, let's let's look at your body of work, young man or young woman, and let's see if you get into my kingdom." He's gonna look at me and be like, "You did enough, Robert. You can get in." I mean, thank you, God. I can go see my mom, my grandma, and my the rest of my relatives now. That's what it's all about to me. Well, that's the thing. You got to take the time to take the time, which is exactly what you did. And and you and you cared about that, and you went beyond yourself. And you went beyond the call of duty. And so, you know, that, but that's who you are, Rob. And that's who you've always been to me. And, and, and that's, that's the beauty of this. And, and that's the beauty of, of the life that I've been able to lead is it's brought me to people like you. And, and Rob is, and I don't know if you heard it, but I definitely said it. I was like, the first time I got married, that was, that was just, that was just a sample, <laughs> you know, like that, that was just the appetizer, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, like when I do it again, because I really felt this and I had never told you, I don't think I ever told you this, but I said it on the show today. I said, I looked out, I looked out at the church and by the way, I'm getting married on a beach next time. So we're we're gonna we're gonna live life we're gonna live life like bad boys and you and I are singing us like I'm saying you know we're gonna, we're gonna be having fun like that but I mean the reality of it all is is I looked out in the crowd that day uh, you know when I was marrying my now ex-wife and I saw you there and I and I literally said to myself this is a mistake he should be standing up here and so when that actually happens i think god hit my little reset button so you will be you will be standing up there with me someday 
if if someone's crazy enough to marry a guy like me. But uh, but when we get when we get the opportunity to do that, you'll be there with me. And uh, and and I I do I, I love you like like family. You are family to me. You're a brother to me. And it, you know it's it, it's funny how it's just funny how the world works and and how how life is and everything that's gone on because the advice that you've tried to give me for almost a decade now I finally taken and uh, and I'm becoming better but uh but you know uh, they don't make them like you Rob and I I really can't thank you enough well thank you it would be an honor to and thanks <laughs> so I can, I can I cannot wait Miami Vice shirts white pants no shoes just on the beach, you know, and the best part of it all is at some point amidst all of this, we should just jump on a jet ski and leave because then you know that it's real. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no Gulf of Mexico. <laughs> yeah. Listen, they said that the sharks, even the sharks were getting it. This is the thing. They, they say that we're not in the shark. Oh, you know, don't worry, humans. We're not in the shark's food chain. They don't want you. Yet, when all the stuff happened with the beaches, all the sharks started coming inland and just hanging out like, can we get one human? You know what I mean? Like, they were all just kind of setting up there. So, I love when, P- I love when, when scientists want to tell us that in marine biology, whatever, want to say that the reality is that sharks do not like the taste of people. And I was like, well, they keep sampling. They keep sampling. <laughs> so we'll, we'll make sure that if we get in a jet ski, we do it in a big pool or something like that. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm all for that. we gotta, gotta, gotta find a way to just keep Rob and I in a confined area. But uh, I will tell you really quick because you know how I, my allergies go crazy up here. And I was mowing my lawn and I get a ton of dandelions. And so I'm mowing the lawn and there's grass and pollen and the wind started blowing and all of the pollen and grass is like hitting me in the face. It's all over my arm. And I screamed out, this is my nightmare. So if, if, if that, if the shark thing is yours, this one is mine. I'm not afraid of sharks like I am of pollen. I think I'll be okay. I got this. So, but uh, Rob Drummond, as always, I, I appreciate it, and I, I'll be talking to you in probably five minutes, but, I, you know, I love you. All right, Dan, love you too, bro. All right, take care.